0: the wise men say a podcast we are back again to talk about england and wales potentially and just generally the european championships and continue with our escapism of all things sunderland although we might might look at and talk about the fact that fixtures will come out day, but i'm not that bothered personally joining myself uh,
1: is craig clark Hello, are you all right? Yeah, me. Yes. I'm the same way we're about the fixtures. Yeah, we'll fact see. is, you play every, you play everyone twice. Yeah, they, and everyone will playing League one. one, you know. Yeah. No, ever,
0: true. We've ever slipped a cliché to the show. I know,
1: but like it's League One. There's nothing to get excited yeah, about. I'm no, sorry. I, I, I mean, yeah, Chef yeah, Wed, I, I suppose. This, this, that's this is not, Chef I'll Wed. be
0: honest, I haven't even looked.
1: <laughs> so I, I was going to rely on I, you yeah. to see everything anyway. I haven't either. I just know that we're playing Chef Wed. That's about as exciting as it gets, I think, for me. You know,
0: I mean... Unless you're in the same division as Newcastle, and they're, they're all, always the first ones you look for, aren't they? To see when them games are, really. And then you're like, maybe like, oh, well, we've got my new or whatever. But those that's distant memory, all that, isn't it? So, never mind. Um <laughs> Joining myself on Craig tonight as well, glad to see a former Sunderland captain and Wales international, Danny Collins. Good, good you. evening, Shops. How are we? Yeah, good, thanks. Doing good. very well. You uh, might be more involved in the... Sunderland uh, fixture situation at the moment where you where the fact you've got like, no. bits to do with a club and stuff like that which is quite ironic in a way really isn't it Like, it's yes, similar to yourself
2: <laughs> no no I, I haven't had a good study of it myself yet mate but I know people tend to get hold of them don't they and then they'll be plotting sort of bank holiday weekend trips obviously the Easter back-to-back games uh Christmas mm-hmm. period who you got first game of the season and obviously where, where you're finishing and over which months look like tough months really but again Football's not played on paper, is it? So, uh, as we've seen last season, you looked at some of them fixtures, especially a lot of games at home where we, we dropped a lot of points against the so-called lesser teams, which obviously cost us at the end of the day.
0: Mm. And we can't, you know, they're not signing anybody either.
2: <laughs> <Well, laughs>
0: it uh, makes it hard to get excited about or even pay attention to the whole thing when nothing is happening at all. So, you know, we've got the Euros as a nice distraction, perfectly timed, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, going to the signings, yeah, it's that sort of time, really, isn't it, where you're looking every day and there's rumours flying around of who the club are possibly looking to sign. Uh, I see yesterday, obviously, Joe Piggott was was mentioned. Stuff going on with Dion Sanderson, trying to get him back there. So whether these these come through or not, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I think with the lads obviously due in next week, um, it'd be good to see some faces coming in. I know, but obviously, seven or eight went out the door at the end of last season. So, I'm sure they're working hard behind the scenes to to recruit and try and get some lads in. And uh, you know, say we're only I think ten days or so away from the first pre-season game, aren't we? So yeah, they need to get some. They've been planning.
0: They've told us they've been planning for recruitment for six months. They said they had a recruitment list for uh, the championship should we get promoted, and a recruitment list for if we stayed in League One. So they should have been working at this for ages in theory.
2: Yeah, I think I think Christian is a retainment list more so. I think that was wasn't it? And obviously they've they've offered the the three four contracts to to Luco nine McGee. Obviously we don't know why we're at with Charlie White as well. So these things have been going on over the last few weeks, and I have seen some fans are obviously getting a little bit frustrated at the lack of movement. Really, uh, you know, with with people coming into the club, but. You know, there's still, there's, there are a couple of weeks. And personally, I, I mean, I said on a pod a few weeks ago, I think if I was a manager and I've not been a manager, but I'd like to get me lads in as early as I can. So you've then obviously got the opportunity in working with them over that four or five weeks during pre-season, uh, in the games, trying out your formations and getting the lads to to gel really and uh, to try and buy into your ideas as, as, a, as a club.
1: I was going to say, I mean, in your experience, <clears throat> um Would you be, if you're out, because there's players out of contract, especially at this level, would you be looking to get yourself a move sorted as soon as possible as a player as well? As in, will that pool of available players whose contracts have run out be shrinking quite quickly?
2: Yeah, good question, Craig. Yeah, and I've been there myself. You know, you're out of contract and you're onto your agent, as a lot of these lads will be. And with what's gone on, you know, in terms of finances with clubs, especially at the lower end of, you know, your League 1's, League Two. Um, with, with the money and how it's gone and the, and the conference as well going into that really so there's a lot of lads who haven't been offered contracts because the finances aren't there with, with the clubs at the minute so I can guarantee they're, they're scrambling now they've had a couple of weeks break but they'll be looking forward to getting back into pre-season and that's where they need their agents to to obviously pull their finger out and earn their money to, to get these lads sorted as soon as possible
0: well, that's enough of Sunderland, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got what another week to ignore them completely until potentially England go out. Um, we'll 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 get on to that. Danny, from your perspective, you yeah, I, I've listened to a few different podcasts where they've they've spoken to players probably a bit older older than older than you, um, yeah. and playing for Wales in the nineties in particular, seemed like a proper banter era where they just treated treated the whole thing as a a continued sort of stag do almost um and it's you know light and dear from where they are now do you feel a little bit gutted that you 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 weren't involved in some tournaments when you were playing
2: yeah no you're right Steve I think you're looking back I think under under Sparky obviously they had they had a good go didn't they came close to to qualifying but um yeah I think in my early days and my couple of my early caps, should we say, when I got there there was a bit of a a relaxed feel about the place, but in the, in the wrong manner, I think it was, as you mentioned there, a bit of a getaway from the lads just to to get away from their clubs and a bit of a get together and, and just a not almost a jolly up like, but just a, a, too much of a relaxed atmosphere uh, from my point of view. I think looking at it, I was fresh going into it in terms of, I wasn't young, I was 24, 25 when I got my first cap when I was at Sunderland and we going into there with a lot of big experienced lads in there and it did have that almost the feel of it. It was just a bit of a, a, bit of a get together for some of the lads. And obviously that changed for me when Gary Speed took over. Uh, Gary was obviously fresh from playing, uh, new to management in terms of, I think he'd been at Sheffield United hadn't he, and done one or two bits, but he's just changed the, the atmosphere around the place. Everything just changed. Uh, the training was professional. Everybody was at it um, from the detail off the training pitch as well, to the meetings, to dinner, Everything was was uh, you know it was all up on the on the boards in the meeting rooms and and it was proper it had that professional feel again, uh, about it again really so and then that went out onto the pitch as well you see how the results changed we went from what was it 100 and something in the world to into the top 50 and then I think unfortunately obviously with what happened with with Gary was was devastating and then Chris Coleman came in and took over and then you see what happened there in terms of us getting to. You know Euro
0: 2016 and, and the good journey the, the lads went on. Yeah, and it, it goes deeper than that as well. And I think in in terms of just of British football, to be honest, because and, yeah. and and Gareth Southgate was <clears throat> involved in a lot of the changes at youth level. Where you know there was so there was this idea that um, you know it was eleven aside side as 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 young as possible, and you've got this idea, don't you? Have some kid playing out on the left wing for ninety minutes, not touching the ball at all. So the idea was to reduce team sizes, which it's it's ridiculous it took us this long to catch up with the rest of the world on that front really um, but you know the idea is to, to bring players through who are more comfortable on the ball and and I think you're starting to see that now you know Northern Ireland qualifying for the last championships and it made yeah. us laugh when I remember when I go back to the last European championships like five years or, six, or whatever it was now Um when people will almost like patronise and saying, oh, it's it's good that they've extended the um, the amount of teams because it means teams like Northern Ireland can compete." Now, Northern Ireland won the group that year, so they would have qualified either way. Yeah. But we, it's the second time Wales have qualified now. Scotland have qualified after twenty years. Yeah. When we're talking about England, you don't feel like it's an issue anymore that they, they, they're they're going to just hoof the ball when they get it. And it's 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 starting to it's starting to come through now. I think where the, the culture's changing almost in the in what the kids how the kids perceive football and. And keep in possession, I think.
2: It's yeah, an I think so. Yeah, I think I think it has changed, doesn't it? And I think that goes to you know listening to to somebody speaking last week in terms of the Welsh setup, and they've they've tried to bring the lads through. And uh, my time, we used to stay at the the hotel down at uh, the Vale in Glamorgan. Um, you know, the twenty ones in and around the place as well. And they try to integrate these lads as well into the first team as much as they can. And I think you're seeing that now with a lot of these lads who have got 20, 30 caps under their belts at the age of. You know, twenty twenty one really. So they have to have to try and get them in. Obviously, they have to to be good enough as well. um But yeah, in terms of ourselves, you know, Scotland, Northern Ireland, in terms of qualifying for the tournaments for England, it's 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 a given almost, isn't it? For the fans, you know, when was it? Was it um, the the World Cup? Wasn't it back in America, USA ninety four, and where?
0: also European Championships two thousand eight. With the, only the only two I can remember, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, for, it's
2: unheard of for England, isn't it? But for the likes of ourselves, you know, it's it's been a battle in terms of qualifying for a major tournament. Uh, and also, we need our, our star players to to be performing and, and having almost our strongest eleven available when they can. You know, obviously, going back a few years when with Ryan Giggs, he was the standout player, wasn't it? And they needed him out there. More often than that, sometimes he'd be injured. Um, and then you're looking at where we're at now in terms of, you know, Bales, Ramses. we need these lads fit if we're going to stand a chance of obviously qualifying and then kicking on once we do get to the tournaments.
0: Right gigs as well isn't he? And the reason he played for England, schoolboys, was because he went to school in England. Can we just put that myth to bed? <laughs>
2: I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. There, people
0: yeah. see him in the England yeah. schoolboys kit, don't they? And say, oh, he's English yeah. and he only played for Wales because uh, he couldn't have got a, like, he didn't think he was going to get a game for England. But I'm pretty sure that's not the case. He yeah, went to school I in think- England, so he played for England schoolboys, but he's Welsh.
2: That's right, yeah, and I think he would have got a few caps for England. Had yeah, he just have, a few. Like, it's not like we spent England. ten
0: years desperately needing a left winger <laughs> when the rest of the midfield was like really balanced, was it? Um, no, exactly. We'll stick with Wales, uh, or Daddy. I think like, to, to start and your your sort of uh, early summary of of their performance, and again, a lot of podcasts I was listening to weren't tipping Wales to get out that group.
2: No, no. I think uh, you look at the group, really. Obviously, Italy, the big favourites. And, you know, having watched the majority of the games and see it, I think Italy have been the standout team for me over the, especially the first two games. And then, yes, they made changes against Wales, as Wales did um, last week. But they look the strongest team. Then you're looking at the rest of the group. I know people are saying about Turkey, where we're obviously tipped to do quite well. That didn't quite work out, you know, didn't pick up a point, did they? And then I think it was obviously between ourselves and Switzerland, really, compete for that second spot in the group um, and then we drew one over them in the first game and if I'm honest watching the first game I don't think we were great, uh, we, we soaked up a lot of pressure but then we managed to get the goal and you know almost dig ourselves out of it really, come away with the points and then we come up against Turkey and then in the second game I thought we were excellent against Turkey, uh, controlled the long periods of the game, could and should have been out of sight by half-time, you know Aaron Ramsey could have had a hat-trick by half-time um, and as I, say, as I said earlier, when you've got Dan James, who's, who's got pace to carry the ball up the pitch, if Gareth Bale's on his game, Aaron Ramsey covered a ridiculous amount of distance in that game. And then I think with the focal point up top, Keith Moore, you know, he's had to battle throughout his career to, to get to where he has, you know, playing a lot of lower league football. And uh, I think, you know, with him being up there in that focal point, uh, we get the ball up to him and then you've got your runners off him. And uh, I think I think he's been good as well. Obviously, he didn't play against Italy with him being on a yellow card and, Three or four of the other boys as well, so it was a difficult one for Robert Page to to go with them boys. I think you know having had them on a yellow card and taking that risk. If they picked up one, they they obviously missed the next game. So um, no, I think overall, if I'm if I'm summing it up, I think excellent. We've got through the group. There's probably a little bit of expectation from fans as well now. Changes doesn't you know, it quickly? Yes, yeah, certainly with, with us getting to the semi-finals, you know, in, in 2016. So there will be a bit of expectation, but at the same time. you're looking at our squad on paper you know you've got the majority of those boys really who are are championship players you know you've got Joe Roden in there he's obviously at Spurs in and out of the team at Spurs really you know still learning his trade really Ben Davis has been in and out in recent weeks at at Spurs Dan James yes he's at Man United but he's he's on the bench a lot of the time so I think you know it's been said before similar for Scotland I think there's that togetherness in the squad and it's neither then it does carry the boys a long way I think out on the pitch and I think one end-
1: of the things I've—I was going to say—the things I noticed about Wales is they seem to play their strengths really well. Like, yeah, Dan James might not play every week for Man United, yeah. but they know how to use them in a way that actually gets the best out of them. And I think, like, obviously, when you've got star quality like Bale and Ramsey, I think yeah. that's what differentiates Wales from, say, Scotland. Because I reckon Scotland, yeah, they're yeah. playing people like McTominay centre half, which isn't his natural position, but they have a lot of what I would call like very good players. Yeah. But they Premier don't League, have a star player. Players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wales maybe don't have that, but they have standout players, like three yes. real standout players.
2: Yeah. At the right end of the pitch where you can hurt teams. And yeah. as you're right with Scotland, I think you look at Scotland, you've got Tierney and you've got Andy Robertson who are left-backs really, aren't they? So that, as you mentioned, they're, they're out of the competition because they struggle to score goals. Whereas you, you mentioned it, yeah, our front four really will cause trouble. I think if you get the ball up there, catch teams on the counter-attack, then we will hurt teams... I just think against Italy in that last game, Rob Page, where his hands were tied a little bit, and then he changed the formation. I thought he, he tried to look after Italy too much. I understand it obviously because they're a top team, but I just thought we went there, we didn't really attack the game, and I know you could, if the the, the goal difference went against us, we would have been, you know, out of it. But uh, I think interesting, you know, looking at the Danes uh, at the weekend mm. now. Wouldn't go into that with any fear, really, if we're honest. You know, as you mentioned there, if Gav Bale, Ramsey and these boys are, are putting in an 8 out of 10 performance, then we're going to cause Denmark some problems.
1: I would say Denmark are the, the true. I know that they were kind of the dark horse in the sense that the odds came in so much that they weren't really a dark horse anymore. But the way the yeah. draw's shaken out, I think that's that's one of the most enticing games, I think, of the round of 16, because the match yeah. up really well. And, and I, I found, found tough, the Danes to call that, isn't it? That, it's 50-50. It it is. Sorry, sorry. But the Danes have got an. When you look at who's in the Danish team, the amount of high-quality Premier League-level players, as well as smattering a kind of Bundesliga and like Serie A players, yeah. I yeah. think that they've also got options on the bench. They seem to have a, you know, they can move, they can move the pieces around, they can play different formations. Yeah. I like the way the managers got them set up, the way they're playing. Yeah. But I actually think the way they play does suit Wales because yeah. they press so much. Yeah. Wales are going to get chances yeah it'll suit them
2: no it will do yeah and it, obviously it's Amsterdam isn't it They're playing in Amsterdam I think so it, it feels are, yeah. like it's obviously an away game for both sides I don't think Denmark will come and sit back as you say they'll come and press and that'll suit Wales you know it, I don't, it doesn't for me it doesn't suit Wales when we just we like as I say the Italy game and Switzerland as well we sat too deep for me in there and then as soon as we were winning the ball we, we, we turned it over as quick as we got it we gave it back to those teams I think against Denmark we are going to get opportunities in the game to hurt them
0: what would have been good? You could, Wales are being sent all over the place. You know England have played three games at Wembley. Denmark have played yeah. three games in Denmark. You've been in a yeah. a couple of times, haven't you? And I think if yes. you get through, you'd be back there. It would have helped if you were there the next round because Denmark coming out of their comfort zone from playing three yes. games at home, having to travel yeah. over there when you've already played there. That would have yeah. that that would have been cunning. Kind of. But I think the tragic circumstances around Ericsson, we all know. But. That, I feel like that's going to make a difference as well because you, like Craig mentioned, there that you know the, the difference between Wales and, and Scotland is that you're quite similar, apart from a couple of world class players in there. And he is that yeah. for Denmark. And he, you, oh, you yeah. saw you, you saw with Modric's goal against Scotland, didn't you? It's like uh, a lot of people, um, you know, massively downplaying Croatia after England beat them and they drew the Czechs. but they're not a bad team still. And Modric just proves. What, you know, what can happen if you've yeah. got a player who's well,
1: capable of that and he, he's got that in his locker. And talk, Talking about every team does. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia got through the next round. Now, he's, he played Vlasic in the last game and the Croats, I think the fans have been crying out for him to get a game And There's been a lot of, why isn't he in the team? Is it something to do with fitness or whatever? He played in the one. And I think they could be, you know, people talk about teams growing into the tournament. Croatia yeah. aren't one of the ones you'd fancy to do that but they could actually do it because they're bringing in players who haven't been playing who can make a difference. And someone like Modric is so good. like He's yeah. one of the best players I've seen play live, I think. He can, he can do that, what he did against Scotland. And if you've got someone, like you say, Steve, who can do that, where I still think Denmark have got players like that, though I think they've got a smattering of real quality. And I'm not that isn't to belittle Wales who have genuine world-class quality. But yeah. I, I love the way Denmark play. I think it's really refreshing because so many teams in the international level don't do that. England I don't, think, for I example. Dan- I think Denmark.
0: <laughs> I think Denmark are better covered if you go position for position in terms of caliber. Mm. But I don't think now with Eriksson not playing, you know, you yeah, you got good, really good Premier League players, Holberg and stuff. But I have the, it's that creative thing, isn't it? And Wales, importantly for Wales, they' two class, their two world class players are players who can't bring a goal and can't bring and can't can come with, well, with I, something
1: for nothing I wouldn't underestimate like Martin Brathwaite who's you know he plays for Barcelona bizarre yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but Yusuf, bit of a back story that
1: one though isn't it but he, but he's, but he looks good he's played mm. well in the tournament Yusuf Poulsen's been fantastic Damsgaard looks like a talented young player they've got uh, Jonas Vind who hasn't really played since the, the Eriksson incident maybe he's been really affected I don't know um but they, they do have they've got the the left wing backs and Atalanta player. Atalanta are always in the Champions League. You know, they've got uh, Thomas Delaney, I think he plays for Bush Dortmund. That's yeah. like high quality across the yeah. across the team.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's interesting, Craig. I'm just looking at the draw there. You've got Sweden, Ukraine, a difficult yeah. one to call, obviously. In, England you know, on our side of the draw. The only one you perhaps fancy there me personally is is Holland to beat the Czech, mm. uh, Czech Republic. On that side of the draw, then you look on there... I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm
0: not. I'm not so sure. No. I'm not. I'm not sold on Holland at all, personally. No. Uh, do you think the Czechs? Mean, or... What
1: about the? Do you think I the have got I, enough
0: though? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like normally, normally you would say no, wouldn't you? But you know, mm. the the Czechs played well against Scotland. Don't you know? Don't forget that and mm. the drew with Croatia. They weren't terrible against England at all. They yeah, had, had the moments, chances, didn't yeah. they? they? Had the moments, didn't yeah. they? So. That'll be it'll be that'll actually be interesting because you know I could be totally wrong and Holland Holland could like roll them over four <laughs> 0 it, It's probably a good test to show us where Holland are because I just I don't know I feel like I've got a, a bit of flat track bully feel about Holland at the moment so it'll be interesting to see it'd be interesting to see what happens with that one. Um, but that is it's it's the draw to be on isn't it? It's the side of the draw oh, you yeah, yeah. want to be on isn't it?
2: Um, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, Belgium, Portugal on the other side. Belgium, I think have looked good. We know they can hurt teams, but then Portugal France and Italy over there as and, well.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Spain, Croatia. You mentioned it there. Croatia, yeah. you know, had a good win the other night. That'll give them some confidence, and then they go to Spain, who have just what was it, five 0 yesterday against Slovakia, wasn't it? So uh, some tough, tough to call, aren't they? I'm, I'm not a betting man, but looking at them, there's not too many I'd be touching. Perhaps Italy. You fancy Italy, wouldn't you, mm. against uh Austria, yeah, so, and then did yeah. France yeah. against Switzerland. I'd fancy that
1: France them too. I think, yeah, I think you fancy them. I don't think, so. I mean, I think people think Sweden are favorites against Ukraine, and Ukraine did really disappoint in the last group game. But at yeah. the same time, Sweden, uh, Ukraine is probably a closer call than I think a lot of people think it is. I, I, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think really you're looking at and no disrespect to anyone else on that side of the draw, but. England or Germany must be looking at that thinking if we win this game, we're in with a great ch- shout to make in the final. And likewise, I think teams will look at especially Germany and the way they play, which is great fun to watch. But yeah. I think it can be exposed. Now, if I was a team like Wales, I'd be looking at that and thinking the way we play, we'd mm. fancy them. Um, if they get so, through, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's an opportunity there. And like, likewise, Netherlands, I think England would would really fancy chances against Netherlands, the way the way Netherlands set up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, just
0: we we move on England just now, but I think that last you always love when tournaments come around, in the first few games you're all over them, aren't you? And then and then you kind of <laughs> I don't say you lose interest, but it kind of like you kind of get a point where you're thinking, all right, get a move on, almost like for the important games. And that last group game last night was something, wasn't it? Where mm. Portugal were first, second, third, and fourth. At, at some point <laughs> change, over the course of 90 minutes, breath. and that made for the night, didn't it? Made a really dramatic the night. Mm-hmm. We, we said we talked about this last night, Craig, did we? Where everybody was saying, Oh, what a great game it was. I didn't think it was a great game, I think oh. that, it was probably disguised by or masked by the drama around the finishings that kept changing. And it was like, oh, All yeah. right, now because England were playing Hungary <laughs> for a long time, and uh, where everybody was like, Please, France, score, please, please, please. <laughs> and then it didn't matter in the end because Germany ended up. Um, getting a point from it but that that was that was um it's what you want to see isn't it that that if ever there's an argument for less teams in a tournament and a better quality group stage that was it last night wasn't it mm.
1: well purely from a dramatic sense i would say yeah i mean you could you used to get that when it was the four team groups any uh, four groups of four anyway didn't you when everyone was fighting for two spots it, yeah it could be very dramatic i think what what I thought actually about last night was there was a lot of like high quality play it just wasn't necessarily very easy on the eye and I thought Portugal by taking Bruno Fernandes out turned themselves into a real threat. And I am really glad England yeah. did not get Portugal because Portugal with that three-man midfield, when they brought yeah. in, I thought Renato Sanchez was absolutely they played fantastic. really well, didn't? They? Yeah, was was really I wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, yeah I would I, not want to play them. I
0: thought the same. I thought the same. I was almost getting to a point where I was watching, thinking, I think I'd rather France at the minute than than, mm. than Portugal. <laughs>
2: The Wise Men Say Podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the discount code WMS10 at the checkout stage. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces Podcast presented by Matt Keeling and Rory Fallow. Available from your usual podcast platform. For more information just search for From the Terraces.
0: So, England. Thoughts on the, on, the, on the Czech game first? Is it fair to say that we were good, I think? Let's not, you know, be revisionist. We were good against Croatia. We were crap against Scotland. <laughs> Was the Czech Republic just swimming in the middle of that?
2: I, I think, obviously, from my point of view watching it, I thought they had a good start to the game England. First 10-15 minutes, they were bright. Uh, I thought Saka got involved. You know, Jack Grealish, they were getting him on the ball getting it in and around the box, and created one or two openings. Got obviously got the goal at the right time. Uh, Harry Kane comes close with that one, doesn't he? And then after that, I just thought they 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 came into the game a little bit. And then second half, you know, some people will say England were comfortable. I think Pickford's made one or two saves. I'm just, I think you're just looking for a little bit more from England. I think they've got more gears. They're in second gear for me at the minute. But you're looking around the Is that
0: good door, Danny? Because you know people are saying the yeah. same thing. Like England seem to be getting criticised for that yet everybody's saying the same thing about France and saying, oh, don't worry, they'll, they'll, they're not showing what they're capable of. They'll come and go, they know how to play a tournament. People say, have said this about Germany for years.
2: Yeah. No, you know, sometimes you have to grind results out. Of course you do, yeah. But you go from that and you're trying to feel you way the tournament to all of a sudden now you're coming up against one of the, the big hitters, aren't you, in Germany, uh, you know, your old rival. Um, and then you've got to be at it. I think looking at the team selection for me, I know people have obviously got their opinions and the formations and, um whether gareth southgate knows his strongest 11 i'm not too sure prime example i think you look at the left back situation where you know trippier starts the first game when you've got two quality left backs and you've got a right footer playing in, in their position uh, takes him out brings luke Shaw in I, I reckon he probably would have brought ben Chilwell in obviously what happened with the covid so then he so you know he's tinkering at the left back position um Then you go higher up the pitch. People are questioning him playing Phillips in there just ahead of Rice or alongside Rice. Do you need him in there? So he's got a lot of options, hasn't he? And it's trying to get these lads into that. You know, you can only pick 11 at the end of the day and it's trying to keep 20 plus lads happy, giving them the game time and whether he's picking the right players. And managers are always going to get questioned whatever level you play at in terms of the starting 11. And hindsight comes into play post-match if the result hasn't gone. Especially, you know, you look at the Scotland game, England, big favourites to win that. Didn't come out of it, didn't play, as you mentioned, particularly well. Uh, Scotland, a good value for the draw, I thought. And uh, then, he, then he comes under a bit of fire, doesn't he, Southgate? But they reacted well. They've had three clean sheets where people obviously thought that the weakest part of England's game was obviously going to be in defence. But to come out of the group, you know, three clean sheets. Harry Maguire's come back in now. You know, Mings has done well. You know, Harry Maguire comes back in, gets his place. So, There's a lot of positives as well to build on from them. And if they can go and beat Germany, then, you know, the confidence is is booming in the squad, isn't it? I did say, when we did this first England podcast, I did say when we were
0: talking about, you know, being attacking and getting on the front foot, I think I said something like, England aren't going to keep clean sheets and we all know they aren't, so you might as well just get on the front (laughs) foot and, like, they've kept three clean sheets out of three games. So that just... Gives yeah. you an idea of what I know about football.
1: Well, <laughs> Steve, to be fair, right, the next game is the first real test in terms of a team that can create chances, but can also take them at... That's no disrespect to the teams they've played so far, but, like, they're not really known for the goal scoring. Germany have put four past a Portugal team that have basically reset their system as a result of that result. Yeah. Uh, as, as a result of yeah. that result, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. and that performance. So this is the first chance that you... Because he he likes the... I think in the second half, what you saw was he went, right, we're happy with 1-0. We'll just control the game and see it out. And and they did do that. And I think against Germany, there's something to say for that because Germany have had weird... Every performance has been kind of schizophrenic. Um, There's been the decent against France, but a bit toothless. The excellent against Portugal, but were Portugal playing into that? And then I didn't see the Hungary game, but the way they conceded, the, especially the second goal was I've listened to a it?
0: couple of, I've listened to a couple of podcasts where the German experts are saying they were terrible and they, and they should be thankful that they scraped through.
1: Um, Which is think, mental, isn't it? Because I thought after mm, the second game, oh you know, all right, they're going to concede goals, but you know if you can score more than the opposition, who cares? they're going to come at you and have a go. And they certainly have quality, especially in midfield. Their midfielders must be among the best in the tournament. They've got some fantastic midfielders. Well, and I think attacking the, the, midfielders.
0: There's an argument now, isn't there, to say that, you know, and we're all, and I still stand by that That the Scotland was the game, I think. you know, If Southgate had this plan to say, like, I want measured control performances, you know, to, to 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 something that would help us and stand us in good stead for the knockout games, because there's an argument to say, actually, we've prepared brilliantly for a game like this because of the way we are being playing up to now. Um, you know, that has been the, the tactic. It's no good going 100 mile an hour at everybody and then playing Germany um, and, and trying to do the same. So there's an argument for that. But I think I do stand by saying that I think Scotland was the, the one where I should have maybe made the exception and and, and and really went for it because they couldn't have handled us if we, went, if we went toe-to-toe. And it would have been nice for the fans to get that one game where, you know, you show your teeth really. But like I've said... He'll be looking at this now, thinking, well, you know, our game plan is pretty much the same as what it's been in every game. Would you say that? I think think
2: with Germany, Steve, looking at Germany, watching, you know, with the back four, you've got Rudiger and Hummels as as their preferred partnership at the centre. And if their full-backs are getting forward, for me, you're looking at Matt Hummels there now. Um, If you're playing a a Rashford or you've got a a Sterling, if their full-back, the the right-back's high and wide, you want them sitting in that pocket. Hummels doesn't want to be getting dragged out there, does he, one-on-one with the likes of Sterling or, you know, with, say, Mason Mount, then obviously Foden or somebody like that driving at him now with the ball, Grealish. Um, so, you know, yes, they're, they're good going forward and they will take chances and create opportunities. Um, but at the same time, on them turnovers, if, if, if England are sharp and they can, you know, one or two passes, get it into Kane and get it out wide, then they're going to get opportunities as well, I think.
1: Does he Is he going to... I think if they, if they were playing France, he, he would have gone to a back three. I'm almost certain he would have used Walker to kind of try and nullify the threat of Mbappe. Who,
2: Mbappe,
1: yeah. Uh, to be honest, he's shown flashes in this tournament, but he's not really yeah. sparkled no, yet. But you're waiting for it to happen, aren't you? Yeah,
2: he had a good chance last night, didn't he? It was a great three-ball yeah. Pogba. I, you know, I think it's, it's easy. I'm not a fool. I think he can take the touch there. And he would probably go past mm-hmm. the keeper with his pace. But he, he hit it early, didn't he? And it was quite comfortable for Patricio, I think. Uh, but as you mentioned, there you're waiting for him to get into the tournament, aren't you, really? I think when he is picking the ball up at the minute, he's got one or two defenders around him. He's, he's losing possession, trying to you know step overs. A little bit of frustration I think in him. You can see in his body language as well. But you, you're right there. I think going back to the Champions League when City played PSG, Walker was excellent up against him. You know him and Neymar that night, and you know nobody's going to run Kyle Walker, are they? So I think you're right. If you if you to Southgate and you do come up against France you sticking Walker up against him and say just you just look after him and you know he's not going to beat
0: him in a foot race, is he? Yeah, I mean well, against yeah, 100 percent playing France, he would have had Walker and Trippier in that team on that right hand side to try yeah. and deal to try and deal with that threat, wouldn't he? Because he he trusts Trippier anyway, as we know, just for, by the sounds of it, talking to other players and using his experience and those two 100 would have played if that was the case. Like Craig said, it'd be interesting to see which way he goes, Danny, because. Would you, would you have this as a fifty fifty game as well?
2: Uh, yeah, I would. To be honest, yeah. As I say, I'm waiting for England to kick on another gear. I think if you look, you know, for me, they're in second gear at the minute. We know they've got more gears. I think there's more in them in terms of creating chances as well. I think the Scotland game. I want. What would I say? All, all bit of a nervous tension, really. You know, they, they they know it's a bit of a derby. The expectation is on no. them. Yeah, you know. Um, just the expectation knowing if they don't come out and get the win that you know the media the press are going to be all over them and you know man for man across the pitch England are expected to go out there and win it and I think that almost got on top of them a little bit if I'm honest in that performance plus uh, you give credit to Scotland I thought they pressed well Scotland they went high and got after England and you know especially in that first or three or four times they nicked it off England high up the pitch um, but yeah moving forward against Germany will England see themselves obviously it's at Wembley um, will England see themselves as the underdogs or not? I'm not. I'm not sure how you know how they see it themselves. They'll know that obviously Germany have got great players who can hurt them on their day. But at the same time, you look around that England changing room. Um, there's there's world class players in that team as well. But they've got to start producing a little bit more. I think.
1: Mm. Well, I wonder whether. Well, I, speaking because the formation thing, I was thinking. I mean, Germany do like to play with a three, but it's not the same kind of three that France used. There's not really the focal point like uh, Muller's going to kind of drop as in the end dictate yeah. stuff so I think he'll probably stay with the four at the back I think it would be foolhardy to go to a three to be honest against the way they set up personally but I wonder who if he might try and bring Henderson back in because he will give you that element of control in midfield that they might lack otherwise. Henderson I yeah. thought so
0: you know and, and, and we mentioned again the first ball we did that when Henderson played a 45 minutes in a friendly I thought he was excellent and you could see the difference he made to England straight away on on from an attacking point of view because people have this this idea that isn't true that that he, he sits in front of the back four and passes sideways. Um, actually, he pushes the team on the, the the team shape on. I think Henderson and he did that for the first twenty minutes when he came on, and I thought it's made a real difference here. Mm. Then I thought he was quit. He was. I think I think he was blown out of his arse for the last twenty minutes. Mm. Um, he d- didn't have the same impact at all. So I, I would wonder if he's still yeah, not not quite, and it was quite telling Danny isn't it that Maguire is the one who seemed like he was further behind yet he's thrown in to start
2: yes yeah and yeah Henderson, I think, uh, and, and
0: Henderson you know played 45 minutes of, a couple of weeks ago and he's not deemed ready to start yet
2: no I think looking at Maguire I think it was a comfortable game for him to come back into I felt disappointed for, for Mings coming out in a way I know obviously people are him, but I thought he was excellent in the first two games two clean sheets and then Obviously, he prefers Maguire. I get that. and He brings him back in, but you're losing that little bit of balance. I like the left foot on that left-hand side so he can open up. But in terms of Maguire, yes, his fitness-wise, but it was a comfortable evening for him. He wasn't tested defensively too often. Um, his passing was decent. You know, that through ball he played for, for Harry Kane first half, and he does bring that as well. He's perhaps a little bit better on the ball than Mings. But yeah, with Jordan coming in there, I think... He's a lot, uh, better, on the, he's a lot better on the ball than <laughs> Mings. <laughs> I know you're not a big fan of Mings, mate. Um, But yeah, if Jordan comes in, whether he starts him or not, it's a big ask. Again, you do all the running with the physios. You know, they've had a few days off now. Jordan will be out with the physios, the fitness lads, working him, trying to get him up to match speed. But again, for me, it's that nervous tension. He knows the importance of it. You're your old rivals in a a big knockout game now. Does he stick with Rice in there? I I think he's obviously going to play a two. For me, it'll be a 4-2-3-1. I think he'll go with Rice. Does he play Phillips alongside him, or will he come with Henson? I think he'll go with Rice and Phillips, if I'm honest. Um, and then it's who do you go with ahead of him? Then you know you're Sterling. You know he's he's going to play. I think is and he? he's got the goals for you to get you through the group. Uh, Where's Foden come back into it now? Does he? Cause Saka done quite well the other night, didn't he? So these are these options where he's got a little bit of a headache for him, I think. But uh, he's the man that's in charge to make them decisions. Yeah, and we and we'll we'll come back. I think we'll
0: we'll probably put a pot out Monday. Um Maybe looking at some of these decisions that Southgate has in more detail, because like I say, now he's you know he's got some decisions to
1: make and he's got plenty of the, options there. Is there a worry he like overthinks it? Yeah, and I don't mean that. Yeah. I, no, I'm no, not. I think because yeah, like the the whole um, sort of decision that not to play Sancho, it looks like it wasn't because he's got anything against Sancho, which I'm sure he hasn't, but he obviously. He has certain things in mind that he wants certain players to be able to do in the team. And if he overthinks it, I wonder if he does go to a back three or if he's... If he's I can see I'd really like Mount to play in this game. I think Mount offers something I think it's unique. But if it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I think that leaves him with a, a bit of a headache because he would be the one who can do something that I don't think any of the others does do. Yeah. And I don't think you'll want to start Grealish in this game.
0: Well... I think you might. Should, should we really? Should we, okay. should we, should we come back yeah. on Monday and we'll talk about that because we want to okay. squeeze
1: another pot in before the game where we can go. Well, I'm interested um, here, but what in, Danny thinks in Wales India, will line yeah, up before yeah. we we'll well, go. Well, that's like... what I was going to
0: say before we finish. Yeah. Um, Sorry, before Steve. We finish. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Yeah.
1: Before we finish, we'll come back
0: to Got England on, on, on Monday and um, we'll we look more in depth for that. But before we go, Danny, yes, we want to finish on, on Wales and where you think it'll go with the team. And also... How far do you think they can get? Because, as you said, you know, they're on the side of the draw that you want to be on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a tough call, Steve. We said there it's, it's it's a tough one to call this game against Denmark, really. Uh, again, our lads have got to be at it. We know that we're, we're not the strongest in terms of strength and depth on the bench. Yeah. We've got the likes of Harry Wilson, you know, you've got Brooks on the bench there, Johnny Williams, who can come on. So we have got attacking options, but you need Bale, you need Ramsey to be on their game. Dan James getting us up the pitch and keep them all. Focal point, making the ball stick. These lads running off him, so we will cause them problems. Um, so, yeah, starting eleven wise for me, Danny Ward's come in. He's been excellent. You know, he could have gone with Wayne Hennessy, who's the sort of tried and tested keeper. But Danny Ward, I think, has been excellent um, in, in the games when he's been... Switzerland made a few good saves. Turkey made one or two good saves, and he's he, he's been good in there. We'll go back to a four. That was the thing where you, you mentioned in England there, do they go to a three? I don't think they will, I think. You know, you've had three clean sheets with a back four. I think Southgate will stick with your back four. And we obviously changed to a back three against Italy uh, last week. Didn't work out for me. You know, we got pinned back in. That's when it becomes that back five. Your wing backs can't get out. We couldn't get up the pitch. For me, go to a back four. Joe Morel and Joe. Allen sat in front there doing all the dog work. And then can we get the ball to that front four? You know, a bit of space on the on the turnovers. Can we cause them some issues?
0: How far Wales going to go? Then we'll we'll finish on your prediction for that. Come on, be bold. Huh? What do you what do you think is going to happen? <laughs>
2: um, I think we will. I think we'll get to the quarterfinal. I think we'll come up against Holland in the next in the next round. And I'd fancy it against Holland. I seriously yeah. would. I really would. Yeah, right. I think I'd really like.
1: Game, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see either Holland v Wales or Holland v Denmark. Would be again yeah. my pick of. One of the a surprising pick of the quarters, I think it would just be a fun game to watch. Where some of these other ones, where the heavyweights are going to play each other, they can get yeah. a bit tactical, a little bit bogged down, can't they? And, and yeah, they're yeah. great, like technically, but they're not always a, an enjoyable watch. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll come back on Monday. We'll hopefully um, react to a, a weekend worth
0: of of good quality knockout football and I'm sure there's lots of stories to, to comment on and we'll look a little bit more in detail about what we think England are going to do um, leading up to that match against Germany so thanks Danny thanks Craig and as
1: always Enjoyed thanks it, for man. listening